Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to The Shawnee Show and to our first interview episode. It is with two of my favorite human beings, How to Live, a.k.a. Jess and Steph Dadon. They're two former fashion influencers from Australia who have now turned co-founders in one of my favorite shoe brands, Tubes, T-W-O-O-B-S. You can find them all over Instagram and online. They're absolutely incredible. I, I just love them. They're a truly sustainable shoe brand that is working towards changing the way that we view sustainable fashion. Um, they also have an incredible podcast, the Tubes podcast, and we do uh, reference that on the episode today. Full disclosure, we recorded this actually a number of months ago. So some of the references are a bit dated. Um, on the podcast, you'll hear us talking about the fact that they were about to launch the Tubes podcast, and now it's actually been running for a number of months, and their episodes are fantastic. So I highly recommend checking that out. Um, we also talk about a few COVID things that are a little bit out of date as well, because you know they are in Australia, and I mean, things have changed dramatically with Australia's COVID policies since then. So um, that's definitely something to note as well. But the episode's fantastic. We talk a lot about sustainable fashion and we also get into Israel and Judaism and what it means to live in a country and to have a platform, you know, where everybody around you is fairly anti-Israel. Um, and I think that that's a pretty fascinating part of the discussion. Um, you know, that's something I always love talking about. So uh, I definitely loved getting into that. As always, please subscribe to The Shawnee Show. We are available on all your favorite podcast platforms. We are also up on YouTube. Full video versions are on YouTube, people. So if you're listening to the audio and you're like, wow, I wish I could watch this. Well, you can. You really, really can't. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to us everywhere. And please leave us a review. Reviews are quite helpful, especially the good ones. The bad reviews are less helpful. Those can... Those can be sent to my inbox where they will stay there in the hidden requests for the rest of time. Anyways, guys, thank you so much. Please follow us also on social media. It's at Shawnee Show on almost all the platforms as well as at Shawnee Suisa on literally every platform. Well, hello. I can't believe we get to call this work just like hanging out with you. Well, I mean, your guys' whole work philosophy is great, so this <laughs> fits right in. Uh, all right, let me just set up this, and we are good to go. I was going to use, have you guys tried Riverside yet? Uh, we only ever used Zoom. Um, we've actually stopped doing interviews on our podcast. Yeah, I saw that. We've actually just recently decided that we're going to pause How to Live the Podcast. <gasps> no, I love How to Live the Podcast. I've been binging you guys for like two weeks at the gym. You can pause it <laughs> well, now. Well, so we're going to start, um, we're going to start Tubes, a Tubes podcast instead. Ooh, okay. Tubes the podcast. That's kind of cool. Yeah, just like, I don't know, we've been doing it for a while, like a long time and um, it's feeling a little bit, I don't know, I wouldn't use the word stale, but maybe I would. I, th I feel like it's gotten to the place where we've gotten everything out of it that we wanted to get out of it. Mm. And so we don't want to keep doing it just for the sake of putting out content. Your interviews are great though. Are you guys going to start interviewing people on the Tubes podcast? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But less mm. yeah, of like a life story and more of an expert, what can you teach us kind of vibe. Mm. I like that. Is it going to be like strictly on fashion and sustainability and all that? We don't know yet. 
Mm. Oh, by, by the way, Jesse, we have a meeting tomorrow to discuss. I keep forgetting to tell you. I'll put one in our calendar. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> this is very early days. Like, we literally just decided this a week ago, and it was in a 10-minute meeting. So we haven't even chatted about it properly yet. I um, I was listening to your guys' was it the work style one, and I think it's so spot on. And I don't think you understand that. I mean, I'm sure the work style in Australia might be similar, but America is the worst. We don't have fucking paid vacation. We don't weekends. What is a weekend? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're off. You're off work. And it's, there's no hours here. It's just crazy. And if you go to places like San Francisco, it's I mean, it's even worse. Yeah, oh my we, God. we know that about America. It's And we feel that way about Australia. But then to look at you guys, I feel like there is no such thing as work-life balance. It is live to work and that is it. And I'm just not interested in that life. I was watching a TV show yesterday, an American one. I can't remember what it was, but they said something about like, oh, nobody takes vacation days ever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? Like here, we have four weeks paid leave a year. Like that's government mandated. And then I know people who have gone to the US and it's two weeks and they're like, what? Two weeks. And for us, we're like four weeks isn't long enough. We give our employees five weeks plus every Wednesday. Plus Wednesday, which is such an unreal system. It's funny because Wednesday is one of my biggest work days. And I was thinking, I was like, I should switch that. I should make Tuesday my biggest work day and take off Wednesday. But I mean, it is, it's a big problem here, but also the two weeks is usually not paid. It's usually unpaid leave. Oh, unpaid. Yeah, oh my so, God. so it's, they're saying you can take time off, but we won't fire you, but you're allowed to take time off, but we still, we won't pay you because you're not working. Oh my oh, God. Wow. My jaw is to the floor. That's <laughs> yeah. disgusting. No, we have four weeks paid leave. And mm. then if your employer is kind and you wanted to take unpaid on top of that, you could. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, we don't we don't understand that kind of lifestyle. Uh, I wish. Wait, so who went to the silent retreat? Was it Steph? Yeah, I went to the silent retreat. How was so that? Whoa. good. Run me through that. So I'm doing a meditation teacher training at the moment, actually with American teachers, Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield. Hmm. And as part of that, I had to go on a minimum six-night silent retreat. And I'm a year ago, which is like a spiritual hub of the world. And there's so much of this stuff here. So I literally went down the road to this beautiful sanctuary and did one week total silence, meditating hours and hours every day. We did mindful work period, which was really fun. Like we, I did work in the kitchen and we were totally silent through that as well. There was some Dharma inquiry sessions every day. So there was a lot of the Buddhist wisdom being talked about. And it was so hard. And I thought the silence would be the hard part, but actually just the sitting and meditating for hours and hours and hours every Mm. single day was pretty fucking boring, to be honest. And (laughs) I, I was like sitting there waiting for this like big spiritual experience, but actually it turned out you were just meant to be sitting with whatever came up. And for me, it was boredom. So I was like, okay, I'm bored. I'm still bored. And so I was just learning to sit with and be with board. 
discuss. That's a hard thing to do. Just to sit. If you're, if you are a person that gets bored, it's very hard to just sit. I personally, I love not doing anything. <laughs> it's just like my, that's like my natural form. If I could be like my happiest, it's just me in a hammock. You know what I mean? Like just not doing anything, but also like having the ability to do what I want, which is a privilege in and of itself. But yeah, I think that that's, that's difficult. So you started getting into, are you, are you certified now? Is that like the final thing or you have to do more? No, that's the first thing. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> Step one. It's a two-year-long course. And for the first year, we're learning. For the second year, we start to be practical in it. We have to start teaching people to meditate. But all of my friends, when they find out I'm learning this, they're like, can you teach me? Can you teach me? So I've started teaching my friends. And I have done enough of this to know I'm terrible right now. Like I'm not good at no, teaching. No, uh, don't I say that. No, but it's okay because I'm at the beginning and it's kind of liberating to be bad at something when so much of what I do in my work, I've been doing for such a long time. I'm so good at it. I kind of love that I'm bad at it. I also love that my friends don't know any better. So they are just showering me in praise and telling me how unbelievable I am at it. But I actually like being bad and because it's meditation, I'm learning not to beat myself up over being bad. I'm just noticing, oh, okay, that could have been better in this way and that way. And that's all good. I'm not meant to be good. I'm just learning this new skill. Mm, mm. No, I like, I, I know exactly what you mean because I started, so I started jujitsu like about a year and a half ago or right before the pandemic and I'm horrible at it, but I fucking love being bad at it. I love going to class. I love <laughs> knowing that I'm doing something that I'm shit at. I'm so good at other things. And it's like, like not to toot my own horns here, but you know what I mean? When you're always in your domain, you know, you're great at it. You feel, you know, this is what you're used to. But once you do something that you're shit at, like the next thing I need to accomplish is learning how to surf. And I know I'm going to be the worst surfer in the world. And I'm, I'm very excited for it. Oh my God. I also really want to learn how to surf, but I'm terrified, not of being bad, but of everyone witnessing me being bad and <laughs> them thinking that I think I'm good. Oh, That's I know. I know exactly what you mean. It's like you kind of have to self-deprecate yourself to let people know, like, no, no, I know I'm bad. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why we're discussing that I'm bad as a meditation teacher. You're saying you're bad at jujitsu because it's like if we own it and we say we're bad, then there are zero expectations and it's totally fine. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, it's such a crazy feeling. Surfing, surfing. I'm scared of wiping out. I'm, I fucking broke my toe like a month and a half ago doing the stupidest things. Like I, I break everything. I ruin everything. Like my body is just so fra I'm frail, if you will. And I just imagine oh, yeah. myself surfing and wiping out so hard and just breaking an arm or something like that. That would oh, happen my to God. me. 100% so terrifying. We are also so fucking fragile. Am I allowed to say fucking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a very not... No, kids, don't listen to this. Are you in the car right now? Are you driving <laughs> the kids? Turn it off. Turn this off right now. <laughs> Shit's about to get real. No, I, um, I'm a big cursor. I can't not do that on my podcast. That'd be crazy. So I love tubes. Obviously, I'm a massive fan. You guys know that. I'm all over your social medias because I just think it's so cool. First of all, I love the look. <laughs> so there's obviously that. But I love what you guys have been doing lately with this whole stop buying our product campaign because I think it's so cool. It's just so 
unexpected and it's not something you're seeing from fashion companies these days. I mean, they're all just like, buy, 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 never wear the same thing. Keep buying until you literally die. Like buy from all of us nonstop. And you have such a different mentality. So explain that that shift, especially to people who don't, because I mean, most of my listeners are probably going to be American and we don't have the same sense of responsibility for the earth, I would say, as you guys do. Um, as you saw when you came to New York and LA and you were just like, wow, what is all this single use bullshit? So just explain how you guys came to that shift and like why it's a big deal. Sure. So we started Tubes, which is our our footwear brand in 2016. And at the time we really loved fashion. We had our blog, How to Live, and it had great values in terms of comfortability for women. You know, that was kind of where the core of having a footwear brand came from. We really hated that as women, the expectation was if we wanted to look good, we had to wear heels and sexy things and we didn't get to also be comfortable. That is just a ridiculous concept to us. And so we started Tubes really to solve that problem. And it went really well and it was really great for a bunch of years. But throughout that time, internally, Steph and I were growing and learning as human beings. And we started to become really conscious of the environment in our daily lives and started to do things like compost at home and, you know, make sure we were bringing a reusable bag to the supermarket and just these little adjustments we were making to our lives. But then we would come to work and we would produce a lot of shoes that weren't great for the environment, like most fashion isn't. And there started to be this ginormous disconnect between the way that we were living the lives and the things that we, the things that we cared about and how we were showing up and the things we were doing at work. And our shoes were always vegan. Like for us from the beginning, we were animal lovers. We couldn't have even fathomed putting animal products in our shoes. And then we started to realize, wait a second, animals, the environment, it's also interlinked. And also just looking around and seeing how much shit everybody's buying as influencers because we had, we were influencers because of our blog, Mm -hmm. we were getting sent bags and bags and bags of clothes. You know, you see these holes on YouTube where people are just unboxing so much stuff. And as we literally became surrounded with stuff, we were like, oh shit, this isn't sustainable. So when we went through this transition and this pivot during COVID, it was like sales went to absolutely zero. We got to be like, okay, hey, what are we actually doing here? We paused and we were like, we want to make this shoe brand in line with the way that we're living and with our values and with caring about the environment, particularly because like climate change is here. It used to be this thing, but like maybe, maybe not, but it's here now. We're seeing it and we just feel like we need to be doing something about it. So with all these changes that we started to make to tubes, which were going carbon neutral, which is quite easy to do with you can find an app like ours is called EcoCard. It plugs into Shopify. It calculates how much carbon you're emitting and you pay to offset that through funding environmental projects. Wait, what's it called? Say it again. Eco, eco what? EcoCart. Mm. EcoCart. I'll say it in my American accent. <laughs> EcoCart. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> so we started a take back program where we recycle shoes and we turn them into other things like playground mats, hopefully yoga mats soon. 
we started to make our shoes out of recycled materials. And these are all really awesome, really important things. And we're constantly trying new ways of doing things and making sure we're always going to be evolving as new materials and stuff come out. But something that we realized that we had to be doing if we were going to be really encouraging people to live and buy more sustainably is buy less stuff. Because even if things are being made in the best possible way, if we're all still buying as much as we are, then the planet is still going to be fucked. Mm. So for us, that was one of the most important things was bringing in this messaging and starting to educate our consumers around you don't need all this stuff that brands are telling you you need. And, you know, there are all these like cute little messages like, if you're feeling shit about yourself, don't worry, just go buy this pair of shoes and you're going to feel better. And we were like, no, you're not going to feel better. You're actually going to feel better for two minutes and then you're just going to feel like shit about yourself again. Go do yourself work, go do some yoga and meditate. And then meanwhile, buy things that you actually need. Mm. And, and I think also like so many of the big companies we're seeing now that are addressing like this sustainability issue, like all birds coming out of the US is like a huge one that's doing amazing things in the footwear industry. No one is talking about the fact that we are buying way too much stuff. And so we feel like it's really inauthentic to be claiming that you are a sustainable label in quotation marks and not actually acknowledging that our consumption is one of the biggest issues with sustainability right now. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's something that's glossed over. And I mean, I think companies, companies do this with everything, right? Like it's such BS. And the fact that people buy into it, I don't know, maybe I got lucky because my dad was in advertisement. So I, he always taught us, you know, be aware, you're being sold, be aware, be aware. You know, these ads are all just trying to sell you. And we see it time and time again, whether it's, you know, during Pride Month and all of these companies now are, you know, selling everything rainbow or if it's greenwashing like you guys have been talking about, you know, all of this stuff is just such bullshit. And it's coming from these major corporations and these huge companies. Like, do you guys really think that these companies that are peddling you to essentially buy nonstop are actually caring about the environment? Like they don't give three shits. They just want to make sales. So they'll put things in a beige box or a brown box and make it look, you know, earthy or whatever it is. And like, oh my God, this new soap bar is sustainable, but hey, it arrives in plastic and a box and a this. And it's, I mean, it's just, it, it's, we're seeing it over and over again in all these different industries that they think are going to quote unquote, get them sales. And you're the first company that I've seen really come out and sort of say, stop buying our stuff. You know, if you don't need a new pair of shoes, just don't. And I, I'm not just saying this because you guys are on here right now, but legitimately it has made me second guess so many purchases just because I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, do I really need another fucking denim skirt? How many do I have to have? You know what I mean? Like, can I chop one up that I currently have and make it look a little different, you know, or what's the problem with wearing the same thing? You know, that blue sweatsuit that I posted on my Instagram recently, I've worn that like 30 times since I got it two weeks ago. (laughs) Like I just don't. (laughs) it's a great outfit. I'm going to keep wearing it, you know? And so I, I have, it's legitimately made me shift my perception because I don't really think it's that crazy of a concept to take hold of in your mind, but it's not something that anybody's speaking about. And it's nothing that was ever presented to me before. So I really feel like once people start seeing this, anyone who actually gives a little bit of a shit is going to, you know, is going to start second guessing things. And it also, I mean, it helps you save money in the long run, which my grandma would be very proud of. (laughs) Absolutely. There are so many people 
people, like how common is it to hear people complaining that they just don't have enough money when actually they have a really good job and they do have a lot of money. We're just spending it on all this crap that brands are making us feel like we need. What's been really interesting for us is how we approach this as a company and how we be profitable with this messaging. So we recently hired a COO, a chief operations officer, and she came on and she was like, wait, you're telling people to, to stop buying what? Um, huh? <laughs> and we've had to go through this process of being like, okay, you know, how do we balance the purpose with the profitability? And the irony of it is that people actually love us because we are telling them to stop buying. So we're like, stop buying. They're like, I want it. We're like, no, 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 stop buying. They're like, they're like give it to us. And obviously for us, it's awesome if they're, stopping their purchases if they're buying way less but if they do need a pair of shoes it means they're going to come to us over the fast fashion company over those companies that don't have values and don't give a shit Mm. so it's creating this amazing strong brand loyalty these brand ambassadors which is such a beautiful flow on effect yeah, you, you're like the hot guy that like keeps saying no, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, but you're just, you know, you're so hot. I want you. And then you guys are like, no, no, you know, I know we have not these yet. abs, not, but you not can't yet. touch you them. You have to wait. Yeah, yeah you have yeah. to wait. You guys we'll like, say so much better if you just wait. <laughs> you get, you turn and give the cheek. You guys are like, no, oh, just a cheek one. We'll, we'll, we'll proceed later. No, it's really, it's true. It's such an interesting, um, it, it's brand loyalty is really important. And I don't know if, brands strive for that as much now. I feel like they just strive for endless amounts of sales and endless amounts of recognition. And I think what you guys have done is built, because you also came from the How to Live page, right? So like you guys came from this page where you had like this existing community of people who really liked you. And, you know, you built such a community around the brand and around you guys that, you know, the people who are fans of the shoe, they're like, oh, we're jumping aboard this, you know, this whole community. We're not just coming aboard, you know, like a shoe company. They have, you know, a, a, a principal and they've got, you know, they've got so much to offer offer and they're, they're educating us. And so it's, it's so different. And then you also ignite a lot of conversations, I think, within your content. So it's not just, Hey, look how cute these shoes are. It's wow. Look at what we've done to improve these shoes. Now, what do you guys think about that? You're always asking questions. And so I think that's a really cool, I mean, I feel like other brands need to take note, especially small companies, because that's going to be the edge between beating out some of these, you know, larger conglomerates and these massive corporations. I mean, you can't compete with Target, right? But you can create something that Target doesn't have. Mm. Well, well, Target has brand loyalty too, but not the same way. A couple things. A, I feel like we need to hire you. You're like so articulating our messaging on point right now. It's hilarious. Better, Better than we could be doing. But yeah, like you've hit it so hard in terms of Tubes being a community. And I reckon you're right that, because we came from how to live being a community, we know how to build community. That's what we we love getting people on board with ideas and with messages and connecting like-minded people. Like that's the stuff that gets us really excited. So inevitably, because Tubes has been now built on these values, it means that all of our community members and customers, they share these same values, not only with us, but also with each other, which Mm. is like pretty incredible to witness. So we've started having these conversations on our Instagram that are really thought provoking. And we feel like we're really putting our necks out there and maybe 
exposing ourselves to getting flack sometimes because we're really opinionated and we're not afraid to really share our strong opinions. But for the most part, it's just igniting such interesting conversation on our socials that we can then share. And now we're looking at different ways we can do it. So our our community can start interacting with each other. So we're starting a Facebook group, talking about starting a podcast. And so really giving them access to each other because right now they only really have access to us. Mm. But it's so, I want them all to become best friends. Like they Mm. all should be best friends. Yeah. Oh, Facebook groups is my domain. I'm the admin for quite a few. I I mean, I'm not as active anymore because I'm trying to focus on like actually getting work done. Um, But, but I love Facebook groups. I think they're, uh, I think they breed awesome conversations, sometimes hostile, you know, but it depends what sort of atmosphere you build the group with. And if it's all people coming from tubes or how to live, they know what this shit's about. You know, they're like, all right, we're, we're approaching this Facebook group for the sole purpose of interacting with these sort of like-minded humans who really actually do care care about this topic. So yeah, you guys, is this going to be in addition to the how to live podcast group? Are you, you're starting a new one? Yeah, this is going to be a new podcast group because we really feel like we've honed in these skills through how to live the podcast. We've got these skills to run a podcast to create a community. And now we want to shift that and take it over to tubes, bring it in. For us, we have so much to think about with how to live in tubes. And we feel like maybe this is the natural evolution of why we've been creating these skills through how to live so we can bring it to tubes where we have this diehard community. Mm. Also, I heard there that you admin uh, Facebook groups. Do you want to add another one to that list? <laughs> it's hilarious. I actually, I'd love to admin your guys' group. I'm such, I'm such a Facebook admin bitch. I have, so I know you guys watch reality TV. So I do, a lot of my groups oh, yeah. are about reality TV, which is hilarious. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So great. No, I, I love everything you guys are talking about. I feel like it's so important. It's just like so rare, especially in America. I don't think you understand what it's like in LA still. When you guys came to visit, what was that? Like four fucking years ago? Nothing has changed. People are still getting disposable coffee cups from Starbucks every day. No one's bringing in containers to any store for it to go. Like everything is, I got a package from a meal delivery service. It was the smallest little thing of protein uh, balls, like these little like protein ball snacks, you know? And it was sent in this giant box with all of these freezer things and all of this wrapping. And I was like, what? It's the smallest box. So, I mean, it's, I just feel like it's so important. And I hope that people that are listening to this from LA just take like, you know, minor steps. You don't have to go full fucking composter, you know, in an overall overnight, but just do something. You know, I, the whole buying coffee every day is crazy to me. I just make coffee at home. What's the difference? Starbucks coffee isn't even. Well, so in Australia, we have like keep cups. Do you guys have those or like the equivalent? We do just no one carries them around or brings them. And that's the problem okay. for Americans. The keep cups are just like mugs. They're just like, look, this is a Yeti. This is for water. But then there's an equivalent for, you know, the mug versions. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think what's cool in Australia is that um, we've managed to make those things cool. So like if mm. I see someone who's getting a takeaway coffee and not using a keep cup, like where I live in Melbourne, where most people are pretty sustainably minded, like everyone's greasing them off. Like the barista mm. hates them. The customers that are waiting behind them and in front of them hate them. Like <laughs> if you don't have a keep cup, it is so uncool because like doing shit stuff for the environment is not cool. And that's how we should see it. You know, we should hero the keep cup as the thing that you want to be. 
it's kind of like the transition that happened with smoking where smoking used to be really cool mm. and then we sent the smokers outside and now it's like oh you're a smoker go in that, that area you know I mean <laughs> unless that's still cool in the U.S. To, as well I'm not sure oh people just but smoke weed I, now I mean but that's nobody yeah, exactly. smokes cigarettes oh, yeah. cigarettes are Different. definitely on yeah 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 those are out we also have this company that I'm not, I'm pretty sure it's Australian, but I think it's also international is called Biopack, and it looks the same. Like it's takeaway containers, it's coffee cups, but they're all compostable and biodegradable. Mm. So, and, and then we also have like composting is hard, but particularly where I live in Byron Bay, which is very environmentally focused. When people pick up your bins, there's also just a compostable bin, like a commercial compostable bin that they come around, they pick up, somebody takes it away and they deal with it. And I feel like America needs those solutions that are really easy for people to transition into. I'm about to blow your mind in a really horrible way. But our blue recycling bins and our black trash bins get thrown into the same fucking garbage truck. Shut up. I'm Why? not even How does kidding. That fly? It's the most ridiculous thing ever. I don't understand it. I oh, I'm always just like, what? How is this even humanly possible right now? And apparently, it's because they haven't figured out a way. And I, I need to fact my fact check myself on this. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll remind you guys later. Um, but from what I've understood, it's because they haven't figured out a perfect way to recycle yet. So they're just making people get used to it for once they oh. actually do. Which I just no. think is so insane. Now you also have so to understand just, you're practicing. You're just practicing recycling just for fun, mm. but you're not actually recycling. Mm. No, that's shocking. And I don't know if that's the legitimate reason or if it's all over LA, but in my neighborhood specifically, I have gone out to check because Richie, my dog, he hates the garbage truck. So he's always barking at them. So whenever they come through and I hear him barking, I always go outside just to like, you know, see what's happening. And I'm, I swear to God, freaking both in the same truck. It's just crazy to me. And LA also doesn't save our water. So we're constantly in drought and we're letting the water go into the drains and then just, just evaporate up or just, you know, just stream out. Like we don't, we have no sense of, well, for, I mean, our government sucks over here, but as in, as in, there's just not, none Same. of that. Our government also sucks. The mm. good thing yeah. about here though, is like our local governments are really good. So like at, at a, at a country government level, like federal government, ours is shit. But then like suburb by suburb even, that's when the composting and the cool stuff is happening and those people really care. Yeah, and you guys have that attitude as well, just in your culture. Like we do not have that attitude. But the 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 thing that you said about making it cool would work really well in LA because everybody in LA is just all about like, you know, what's the cool new thing? And they love judging people for things that are uncool. So this would, we need to brand it in this way. Oh, we need a campaign. Yeah, this is great yeah we us. need like bedazzle some cape cups or something. It's hilarious. Or get them on some celebrities, some big cape cups. You know how you used to see the Olsen twins walking around with their big like venti Starbucks cups? Mm. We need that in cape cups. Yeah, we have to get all the people who promoted Fire Festival to promote that, and then maybe it will, maybe it will work out. <laughs> but speaking of influencers, um, I influencer culture—it feels like you guys jumped on the train when it was all happening. I when did you guys start How to Live, the original page? Twenty twelve, nine years ago. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's so crazy. That's it's because you guys got on Instagram so early, and so you built from that. And I feel like you now have dropped off out of in, influencer culture. 
right around the same time that I started becoming nauseated with the entire thing. And, and I feel like we have similar takes on this and just in terms of like the way that things work nowadays and the way that in, you know, Instagram works and social media, it's just so negative. It's so harmful. And something I've tried to stop doing, it's like using filters in my stories. Cause Mm. I feel like it's just a small way that we all contribute to making people feel like absolute shit. Yeah. So true. Yeah, I have really bad skin, like bad acne. And mm-hmm. I will always, I, I just started being like, oh, I don't really want to post because I don't want people to see my bad skin. It's like, why? Everybody, like what, one in three people has bad skin. So mm-hmm. all of those people can't be on social media or they need to cover it. And then we're all just like faking ourselves to each other. Mm. I finally just got over my acne. Thank God. I, it's been like five years. It's been horrible. But I've also felt that same way. But I, I mean, I just, I can't put on makeup 24 seven, especially if I have really bad breakouts. It hurts. Don't you find it hurts? It's like, yeah, you, it's just, and then yeah. It gets, when you, yeah. And then, and then it gets worse because you're constantly covering it in makeup. Mm. I, we, we stopped wearing makeup in our office like two years ago. One day we were all just like, fuck it. Let's all stop wearing makeup because we would come with full faces of makeup every day of the office just to see each other. And we were just like, no, nah, we're not doing this anymore. So when we started going to meetings without makeup at first, I felt so self-conscious. Cut to two years later, I don't even own makeup anymore. I just don't wear it. If I'm going to a wedding, if I'm going to a fancy event, I don't have makeup. And it's so liberating. And sometimes I feel self-conscious about it. But most of the time, I'm not even thinking about it. I remember when I first started not wearing makeup to work and like I was really self-conscious of how tired I looked and then I would start looking at Elliot my boyfriend in the mornings and like he looked fucking exhausted he's like one of those people that gets really puffy eyes in the Mm. morning and it's like I don't I don't even get that but um he would always look exhausted and just like go out the door without even thinking about it. And then here I am having been bred to want to like cover my bags up because it's unprofessional if I walk into the office looking tired. And when I realized that like hectic double standard between the two of us, I was like, oh my goodness, fuck that. I am not doing this anymore. And now sometimes I do notice that I look tired and I'm just laugh because who cares? Because people, humans are tired. You guys run a company. People are tired. Just living is exhausting. Like it's, how nuts is it though when you walk into a meeting without makeup and you feel unprofessional or you feel made to feel unprofessional or if if you didn't straighten your hair, if it's like, you know, frizzy or natural curls, what is that bullshit? Like that's crazy. I just think that's so insane. It's It's so crazy, especially because most of the people that are in the higher up meetings are the men who aren't wearing any fucking makeup and no one's saying anything anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They all look like shit. They're all wrinkly. And like also to mention on that tired thing, I actually don't think it was that I look tired. It's more just that a woman's face above the age of 25 that isn't wearing makeup in our brains looks tired, you know, Mm -hmm. like they don't actually, that's just what my face looks like now. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, no, that's actually just my face. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That's my natural. That's just natural. Yeah. I'm born with that. No, it's so true. I mean, the whole thing is just nuts. Um, but in terms of, I have, we have to talk about this because I know we DM, who am I, who am I talking to by the way? Is it always Jess? It's mostly Uh, me. Yeah. It's mostly 
just like Jess, because I, I actually deleted the Instagram app when I went on that silent retreat like six weeks ago, and nice. I just never downloaded it again. It's the best thing I've ever done. Mm. Uh, amen to that. I, if, if it wasn't for work, I don't think I would be on it. Like I really do like posting stories, but I hate when I then start watching everybody else's stories. And I always, oh if I've done that lately, uh, I've been getting better. I'll just stop. Like after a minute of watching reels, after a minute of watching stories, I'm just like, Shawnee, what are you doing? Just turn this off. Like watch a basketball game. If you really want to consume content, put something on your screen, yes. put something on your TV. Like you don't yeah, need be to be mindful uh, about it. Oh, uh, if I'm, if I've got, if I'm going to waste in inverted commas an hour and I've just spent it scrolling through Instagram versus if I've put some trashy TV on and watched the shit out of it for an hour, I feel so much better with the TV than I do with a lost time on the phone. And I just felt like I was constantly, you know, that mindless, I'm about to go do something. And then all of a sudden I'm mid scroll on Instagram. And then I was like, well, what, what was I just doing? So I find that now that I've deleted it, it's crazy though, because it's like, that's still programmed into me. So I'll mindlessly end up scrolling through Facebook, obviously, is an easy one, which I hate. Or I'll just even scroll through my camera roll. Mm. Yes. Mm. Oh, my God. Yes. Mm. I've had that exact experience when I try to delete the app as well. That's so depressing. <laughs> yeah, like, so- why do I need to be doing something? And then I get that mental dialogue <laughs> of, hey, just one more scroll and then I'll stop. And then and, and sometimes I go 10, 9, and then I get to one and I'm like, just 10 more. Oh my God. Wait, also, can we discuss how shit it makes you feel? So for context, um, I am in lockdown right now. Like where I live, we just went into lockdown. Like um, lockdown number 10 or whatever? In the past. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lockdown number five. Mm. Um, I think we've been in a, in a total of over 10 months lockdown now over the last 18 months, but I Wait, but am, explain, can you explain to the listeners? Cause uh, your lockdowns, your rules are going to be different than other people. So what does a lockdown mean for Melbourne? Okay. So a lockdown for Melbourne, most of the time, like this time, um, essentially means you're allowed to leave the house for four reasons. One of them is to buy food, like only grocery stores are open. One of them is to do exercise, but usually there's limitations on that. So I think at the moment you're allowed to exercise for up to two hours a day with one other person within a five kilometer radius of your home. So it's very fucking specific (laughs) Um, to go to the doctor and to get vaccinated, something like that. And then other than that, you have to be in your home. Um, so, and you have to wear masks as well. I don't know if you guys have this, but it's government mandated to wear masks. As of last night, it was just, last night, midnight, it was just reinstated in LA and that's a whole load of bullshit, but we can get into that after. So Melbourne lockdowns. So so I'm in Melbourne lockdown. They, we're obviously fucking over it, but they announced it on Thursday And I've like been pretty chill about the whole thing, like in terms of being affected, like I can work from home. So like I maintain the same income. And so I'm like pretty okay. Right. And I am an introvert, so I'm pretty happy at home. So I felt okay. And then come the weekend when I've got all this fucking time on my hands, what am I going to do other than scroll Instagram? And I honestly noticed it changed my thoughts and it made me feel like a victim because everyone in Melbourne right now, like the tune is, oh my God, we've been in lockdown for 10 months, blah, blah, blah. Like poor us, poor us, poor us. And it literally changed my thoughts from Friday. I was super chill about being inside. And now this morning, 
I just like feel like a victim. Like I feel so hard done by. And I can fully recognize that those are not my thoughts. That is Instagram having shown it to me over the last 48 hours. And now I feel that way. And how much other shit does that happen with? Like our thoughts are not our thoughts. Our thoughts are just what's being fed to us on Instagram all day. Oh, there's so much stuff like that that I feel like now when the team will come to me and be like, this thing happened and it's the biggest deal because we're all so consumed by it on Instagram. It's like this massive deal. How are we going to respond? I feel like I have this perspective because I'm not on it. And I'm like, oh, that's not a big deal. And I, I can like easily formulate a really non-reactive response to it. But it's just like we're so caught up in it when that is most of our lives is spent on Instagram. So true. I was at uh, this Shabbat dinner and we were actually talking about that in terms of, um, well, we were, we were talking about how when you post about like Israel as a Jew, whatever, you get canceled. And the big, the big conclusion to the entire conversation was your reaction, you getting canceled is all about how you handle it. You cancel yourself. Like other people aren't canceling people out there. And that's honestly the truth. It's because people go and they get outraged and then the person like starts apologizing and backpedaling. But if you don't do anything wrong or if you do something wrong and you say sorry and you move on, fine. You know what I mean? But if you're if you stand behind your opinions, if you're putting out content that you're conscious of, that you're making an actual, you know, thoughtful effort before putting out, then no one's gonna fucking cancel you. No one's able to. It's all on you. So it's completely true. It's the people who give in and feed into this, you know, and reply to every single tweet or every single Instagram comment or, you know, and start going in back and forth with these people who don't even know for five seconds who you guys are. You know what I mean? And so it yeah. happens all of the time. And this is actually a perfect segue into being Jews, first of all, in Australia, in the media, and then and, and sort of tying that together and what that's like. Because I mean, I you know, I obviously got some slack, but I, first of all, don't have a fraction of the following. And also I come from a place where there is still as much as there is a lot of uh, hate for Israel over here and within the Jewish community as well, I don't think it's remotely as bad as it is in Australia within your guys' community. So I'm just curious what that's like. And I mean, you guys actually did put out some stuff and, and what the response was to that. I'd love to hear about that from you both. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting experience here because the Jewish community is a lot smaller so mm. it's really in the US, I feel like where a lot of people know people who are Jewish, we've realized that here, you know, when we went to university, no one that we met really knew Jewish people or I was like, oh, you're Jewish. Whoa. Okay. So I've never met a Jew before. Can't you know, believe like, you don't have horns. <laughs> the amount of times I heard that at uni, oh, I've never met a Jew before. Or, oh, like, where are your curly things? Or do why don't you wear the hat? Like, literally things like this. They just, they didn't know about it. And so the, the Jewish voice is not really in the media at all. People don't really consider a Jewish perspective on things ever. We grew up with everyone had Christmas. And I remember people being, like, at the store, so what are you getting for Christmas? And then I just, like, look up lost at my mum, not knowing what to say. And, and she'd be like, we don't celebrate Christmas. And they'd be like, huh? And then when we started getting American movies talking about Hanukkah, Christmas, we were like, cool, this is so fun. And so, yeah, like with the whole thing that's gone down um, with Israel and Palestine, I think in Australia, 
obviously, you know, as with the environment, people are very left, very progressive, the young people in particular. Mm. So I think that there's not this consideration for what they're saying or how it would affect Jewish people, which as a Jew here is really hard to see and be a part of. And I definitely feel how social media really, really amplified that. And I found that for me, my mental health, when everything was going down between Israel and Palestine, really took a massive hit from being on social media and being so consumed by these posts that were had undertones or overtones of anti-Semitism. And the frustrating thing is by, you know, you don't want to turn a blind eye to it by not being on social media. You don't want to not get involved and, and have Jewish voices in there. But at the same time, it's like, are we really changing anybody's opinion by adding our voice to the noise? Mm. I think also it was a really confronting time for a lot of young Jewish people in Australia because we are all very left-leaning. So, you know, we care about the environment. We care about everybody else's rights. And then it was just a real moment for me uh, and I know for, like, a lot of my friends of being like, oh, shit, like, should shit hit the fan? No one's got my back, you know? And, And in a time where I feel like I have everyone's back, that was, like, a real moment of, um, take a step back and really assess like who my people are, like my people being who has my back. Mm. Um, and, and I think that a lot of young Jewish people here, you know, we are the ones at the protests. We are the ones at everyone else's protest. We will lend our voice to every cause because we genuinely care. Like at the core of us, we all really care. And then, just to not have that level of empathy or compassion for our Jewish experience given back to us felt really, really confronting and scary and probably was the first time where I was like, oh, shit, okay, I understand what's happening here and I understand why the Jewish community in Australia, I, w- I won't talk to America, but it's very insulated, you know, like we're all, we go to the same schools, we date each other, we know we know everyone's grandparents, like it's so fucking insular. And I used to be really insecure of that. I remember when I went to uni, made all these new friends and I had to explain to them that most of my friends were Jews. And I felt like icky about that, like as if I was in this like private club that no one was invited to and I was embarrassed. And then when I saw this play out, I kind of understood why obviously things like this happen over time and it forces us to be insular because it's a really alone experience that only we can understand. And as much as my friends outside of the Jewish community who I spoke to about it, you know, some of them were empathetic, but actually a lot of them weren't. And Mm. a lot of them who know my heart weren't and weren't down to like have an open-hearted conversation with me about. And that was like fucking intense and made me realize who my, who the people I can count on are. Yeah. I, th- I mean, we uh, definitely, it's definitely different in America, but we can relate to a lot of that. And it's a huge problem in college campuses here. Universities here are Same. the breeding ground for absolute anti-Semitism. You know, they'll, 
they'll call it anti-Zionism, whatever they want to call it, but it's just such bullshit. You know, it's, it's flat out anti-Semitism and it's everywhere because it's such disproportionate criticism of Israel. And it's so hard to be a Jew in any space. And it makes sense why our parents, you know, created these sort of Jewish bubbles for us. I mean, the Jewish bubble in Australia is virtually the same as the Jewish bubble in South Africa, which is also virtually the same as the Jewish bubble in London, right? And like, why is that? Because time and time again, we're under attack. And so if we have, you know, our schools, then we have our security at the school, right? If we have our neighborhoods, we have security in our neighborhoods. Our neighborhood now has armed security because of all the violent crime that's been happening in Los Angeles. So it's, it makes sense why we form these communities because we really do need to have each other's backs because nobody else does. And if anything proved that it was this last stretch of the, you know, Palestine Israel conflict on social media, it was really an atrocity to see like so many people just, and I think what hurts the most is the fact that so many people post out of ignorance, thinking that they're posting out of compassion. And that's where I feel like people have completely lost their minds because they will share and retweet anything, you know, with any headline that grabs them and they won't do any research about it. It's even if they're being approached by their Jewish friends who are saying, hey, double check this, like what you're posting is wrong and it's leading to legitimate dangers and violence against your Jewish friends. And, you know, they still won't. They'll say, well, no, you know, this is, that's not what I'm hearing. That's not what they're saying. And it's like, well, you don't know anything. You haven't actually done the research. You haven't even been to the country that you're so, you know, passionate about. And then on top of that, it's this idea of like all of these people in the liberal circles, if you really care about things that are happening globally, then why are you not fighting for all the other causes? There are literally genocides happening right now. Like there are literally genocides happening and nobody seems to be caring about those. And yet somehow a stir up in Israel and Palestine, which I mean, listen, every single life that is lost is a tragedy. But when you look at the numbers of lives lost, when America goes to do some random mission in Iraq or in Afghanistan or wherever, or even when the freaking British army goes somewhere right now, right? Like people don't know, like there's all of these tiny things happening all over the place. And I mean, the numbers are just astronomical compared to what's happening in Israel. And so it's just such disproportionate criticism and it's such fake. It's just, it's this fake sort of compassion that people are, are building up and it's really sad and it, it taints a lot of liberal spaces here. There's a great organization you guys should look into. It's called Zioness, uh, Z-I-O-N-E-S-S. And it's essentially fighting all of this where during the women's marches, Jews were not really welcome. You couldn't have, you know, a uh, Megan David or like prominent, you know, fact that you're Jewish or Jews for women or like none of those signs were allowed. You couldn't have an Israeli flag, even though everybody else had their country flags. And so Zionists started as a way to be able to help Zionists still feel welcome in liberal movements because most Jews are progressive. You know, most Jews are like socially speaking, and a lot of Jews are financially conservative, but socially speaking, we all are kind of a progressive people. Uh, you know, minus the like super intense subsect of, of Orthodox Jews. But for the most part, anybody living in our age. And so it's sad that we're not welcome in those spaces. And it it's it's hard. And especially on Instagram. Did you guys get a lot of slack when you posted those stories? We actually had a lot of support, which we were really surprised by. But then when we started to look into it, it was mainly our Jewish following who mm. were writing to us. And we we somehow have had Jewish communities from all over the world find us without even realizing that we're Jewish. And so a lot of Jewish followers from all over the world writing to us, but not a lot of people who weren't Jewish or if they were, 
they tended to be older, which is a little bit scary, but it's kind of like this thing of these, if you're young, if you're progressive, there's these undertones of anti-Semitism. And I feel like you nailed it there with, there's this disproportionate interest in what's going on in Israel. And I actually spoke to somebody in Israel who's in my one of my meditation groups during while the conflict was going on. And I was kind of, you know, in this mode of defending Israel and she's a religious Jewish woman and she she's actually a rabbi. And she was saying, I'm really critical of my government and what's going on right now. And I really, innocent lives are being, innocent Palestinian lives are being lost and it's not okay. And when she said that, I was like, whoa, I've been so defensive over Israel. Am I wrong here? And I sat with it. And what I started to realize was, she's Israeli and she lives there. So she, and she feels secure in that. So she can be critical of her government. Just like here in Australia, we're fucking critical of our own government. Just like in the US, you guys are critical of your own government. You know, our First Nations people have been horribly treated and we go out and we protest for them. And, you know, it's really front of mind for us to all be pushing towards acknowledging our First Nations people to empower them, to put them back in of power. First but Nations people, US, wait, can you define First Nations people? Because I don't think people will understand that. Yes. So First Nations people or people might have heard of the Aboriginal people are the, the first people to have lived in Australia. They've lived here for thousands of years. And now First Nations people is the most accepted way of calling them because they are the First Nations. Mm. And that applies anywhere in the world. So the same thing in the US, you have your First Nations people, Canada has their First Nations people before the people came and colonized. So in Australia, for us, it's really big that we're honoring our First Nations people, our Aboriginal people and the heritage that they have here and that they've looked out after this land for thousands and thousands of years. Imagine if the US suddenly turned all of their attention to Australia and started accusing us of living on stolen land, of start, started delegitimizing our right to be here. We would all be like, what the fuck? Like, we're here living our lives. We get it. We are Australian. We are living on this land. This is our battle. And great, like, if, if people want to support our First Nations people, then awesome. But suddenly making us feel like we don't have the right to live here wouldn't be helpful for the situation. And it just wouldn't happen. There would never be that level of interest in us. And that's where I feel like it is blatantly anti-Semitic because why the fuck are you so interested in this one thing? Being anti-Zionist, I don't think a lot of people know means you don't believe that the Jewish people have the right to have a land. Self-determination. Yep. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if there was, a, if everyone was anti uh, anti-Australian, like anti-Australian uh, people having a right to live in Australia, like that is such a fucked up concept and only ever applies to Jews and to Israel. And I hate going into victim. I don't want to feel like a victim. And I also had somebody write to us on Tubes a week ago and she said to us, we, we were posting about First Nations people and our support for them within Australia and we're adding onto um, our postal slips that Australians can now add the traditional name of the land, which is really fucking cool. Oh, and cool. We were teaching, yeah, we were teaching people how they could do that for tubes. And this Jewish woman wrote to us being like, what the fuck is this? You know, we were all displaced from our homes in Poland. Should we go and should we be adding our names in Poland? And I, I wrote back to her and I was like, you know what? I, I 
I give to other people and I stand up for other people's rights because that is what my heart is calling me to do. And there's no or here. We should all be, we should all have the right to feel like we're safe and we're acknowledged and we're seen and we're seen in all the suffering that we've had. But just because we're not getting that doesn't mean I won't give that to someone else. Mm. I don't ever want to go into them and be like, poor me, why aren't I getting it? But it's really fucking hard when faced like things like the whole of the left and the people that we identify ourselves with and, you know, having that compassion that then we're not met with that same level of compassion. It's hard. It's not tit for tat is what you're trying to say. And that's really important because no matter what, even though the Jews did not get any of the support that they actually really should have, especially when people were just attacking random Jews for the policies of a country thousands of miles away, right? But even though we didn't get that support, we're still going to go and stand up for all of these progressive values because we actually care about that stuff. We're not doing it just to get so It's not a tit for tat. It's not like support me and I'll support you back. That's It's not follow for follow, right? We're not fucking social media. <laughs> Like this is not what it is. And I think it's so important to say. And something else that you mentioned that is people forget that Jews have indigenous rights and claims to the land of Israel that are stronger and more like you can actually trace the freaking lineage back. Like there is literal records of us being there. That's our indigenous land. So it's like, and it's not to say that we're the only ones who are indigenous. There are other people. Guess what? There's plenty of people. You know what I mean? Like the whole Middle East had a, a flourishing community of many different people. But once we got kicked out of Israel after like the destruction of the second temple, my family, they went to Morocco. They were in Morocco for like a thousand years or something ridiculous. We were in Morocco. BC, which when my dad told me that, I freaked out. It's like, shut up. We were there, BC. It's like, oh we my were god, this? yeah, that's I got that. Us, I, I don't know that's... how far I'm lineage is that. We might be related, but probably related. It's, I we mean, all the, are. I'm sure we have cousins who fucked at some point. Like, this is what happens, you know. Back, <laughs> if you trace it back, no, but seriously, I, we were there for so long. That's why my eyebrows are so thick. You know, the longer you were in Morocco, the bushier they are. Oh, uh, I was. I was born with the bushy eyebrows and then the trend was like wax, wax, wax. And then when the bushy eyebrows came back in, we were like, damn it. Our mom told us we should start waxing. Now I can't grow them out again. Yeah. So it's annoying. Bane of my the other day, The other day I literally got told by a doctor, a male doctor. He was looking at my arms and he was like, yeah, no, I, I think you might have problems with your hormone levels for sure. <laughs> Look how, look how hairy your arms are. And I was like, oh, oh no, dude, I'm just Moroccan. That's hilarious. You're like, no, that's actually ethnicity. No, but it's like, and so, it's so, but I think somebody actually commented, what was it? Somebody commented on um something. They were like, you're not actually Moroccan. You guys, I think they said that you came from the Inquisition. I was like, first of all, we were there long before that, my family at least. And even if we did from come from the Inquisition, that was fucking ages ago. Like that was a while back, you know? Like if you have generations, I mean, right now, is anybody denying the the fact that I was born in Los Angeles, am I not American? Just because yeah, I'm a first generation American, like, am I no longer? And this whole idea of, and so first of all, people always forget Jews are indigenous to Israel. And then second of all, it's like the audacity of telling someone who you don't actually understand is indigenous to the land that they need to get off the land because other people are indigenous to the land that want to live there, right? When all of these people in all of these Western countries that are making these claims are literally ancestors of colonizers who are now living on land that they freaking took from indigenous people. It's like, if you cared so much, why are you still living in Los Angeles? 
Why are you still living in that house? That's not yours. That should belong to Mexico. Why is California still a part of the States? You know what I mean? I mean, the whole, and even Mexico. Mexico is from Spain. Screw them. The natives were here before them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how far back are we trying to go? Is my house not my house? Was it actually a farmer's house? Who am I trying to give this back? I mean, the whole thing is just insane. And people love to live. A big problem, though, with the Palestinian conflict is the fact that Palestinians are stuck in this eternal refugee status because of UNRWA. They're the only refugees in the world that are that refugee status passes on to the next generation. So Bella Hadid, who lives in like a giant ass mansion in LA, can claim that she's a refugee because her her refugee status it passes on, which is beyond insane. My dad's a Moroccan refugee. I'm not a freaking refugee. I live in freaking Beverlywood. I it's like so nice over here. This is I'm not a refugee. Do you know what I mean? I'm not it doesn't pass on like that. And so it's this this eternal state is like the, the victimhood is passed on through generations as opposed to this is what's happening now. And we need to fight our internal governments because that's the issue. Israel did not want to take over all of Israel. They agreed to split the country when they first were offered it after the Holocaust and all of that. People forget about that. We didn't want the war. We didn't want them to come and farm us all over on Yom Kippur. Did we want that? No. And all of our ancestors went and fought that, or I guess my great grandpa or grandpa, like they all went and fought in those wars. They didn't want any of those wars. We just wanted to live there. We just wanted to live in peace. We wanted to return back to our homeland. And we've had so many peace offerings throughout the years and people act like Israel is the problem. Israel is the blockade to peace. Well, then why have we said yes to all of the peace offerings? Why have we said yes to all of them? Explain that. You know, everyone is trying to place the blame one place or another and you hit it on the head when it came to criticizing internalized governments. Like, yeah, you criticize your own government because you're involved. You're actually affected by it. This impacts your every single day life. You give a shit what the LA County mandates because it matters to you because you live there. Right. And so of course, Israelis criticize the government. They do it all the time, but I'm so sick of people fighting for the Palestinians and not criticizing the Palestinian leadership because that is what is holding them back. Mostly it's Hamas and it's the Palestinian authority. And until they start acknowledging that in the public conversation, nothing is going to be done. And it's really sad. And it's even more sad that it comes from people who claim such a high ground when it comes to moral hierarchy. They feel like they're, you know, they're the superiority. They're they're the end all be all. You know, they decide what is kind and what is not. And it's like you're actually missing out an entire group of people that you're being wildly offensive to. How do you feel okay with that? It's it's sad. What about the fact that they're like fighting for kindness by criticizing people and tearing them down? Like that makes absolutely no sense. Mm. Unless we bring compassion in spreading the kindness, then it's just spreading more hate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally. But the problem is that like this is what what you just described, like that requires a level of interest in actually understanding something, right? And I think that that's what we're seeing not happen. Actually, the opposite is that you read a headline and then you are the scholar of that topic, like not just in terms of the Israel-Palestinian conflict, but actually everything like Mm. with the vaccine like Mm. if you read the headlines of the vaccine now you are the the scholar of the vaccine like it's happening with everything and I think it's like a problem across the board and I think that it's it was just really interesting to watch it play out with Israel and Palestine because it's just social media is the breeding ground for that type of thinking. And right now it's at its height. And so the fact that that war happened during the height of social media was really unfortunate because it meant that that 
type of thing was applied to that conflict, but it's also being applied to so many other fucking things right now. And that's really scary in a really broad sense. Mm, it's the Facebook lawyers. You know about Facebook lawyers? It's hilarious. It's like Facebook no. lawyers are the people who, well, you, you find them in the comment sections. They're the quote unquote scholars, right? They know about everything. They they studied it all. They're the, they understand the science, right? They're like, they've, they've just got it. They've just got it. They're the Facebook lawyers and they're everywhere and they've taken over and they need to go away. Like, why are there so many fucking people who think that they know about something that they have never studied before in their life? Are you an epidemiologist? I'm not. My uncle is. I still don't even trust his opinion. You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to trust Randy from, from Iowa on Facebook? It's just... It's it's crazy how it's happening with everything now. And it's so funny, but I will say it is pure entertainment for me. And I absolutely do love seeing a post and being able to predict exactly what kind of mayhem is going to go down in the comment section and opening it up to find everything I was looking for. Every single thing, everyone, they hit all the spots and then some people get creative, they hit new spots. Like how can you guys hate and criticize so much and yet how can I predict this? It's all so, it's predictable, it's easy. But um, in terms of vaccines, I'm actually curious on your guys' takes because Australia has such a weird thing going on right now, right? Because you guys have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, but nobody even wants to get it because nobody even has COVID. So it's like, what's the point? What I mean, what is what are your thoughts? If this will affect your financial likeliness later, you can, you can pass on the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. So basically what's happening in Australia right now is our vaccine rollout has just been really slow because we haven't had any COVID here or we've had just a little, a very small amount compared to everywhere else in the world. And that's because we're an island. So they basically just shut all the borders. You can't come in. You can't even go out. You need a permit to leave, which is really hard to get. And there are so many Australians stranded overseas and have been since the beginning of COVID because they literally, they just halve the amount of flights that come in. So it's like a couple flights a day coming in from overseas and they're impossible to get into. Wow. So the, the government just like kicked back. Put yes, Australia is now Soho House. <laughs> Australia House. More, more <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they just like kicked back, put their feet up and they were like, sweet, like it's not urgent. Like we don't need the vaccine super urgently. So they're just like doing the rollout really slowly. But what it means is that I'm in Melbourne in lockdown when like you guys are in LA all fucking vaccinated and like able to have parties and stuff. And I am turning, it's my birthday next weekend and I was supposed to be going away, but now I'm going to be in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, that's so miserable. I still can't, I... But what's crazy is that Melbourne has been in so many more lockdowns than everywhere else in Australia, right? Is that why you moved yeah, to Byron? I, I love that you know that. Yeah, yeah, you're really across it. Oh, yeah, so, I've been tracking it. Yeah, so I moved to Byron a year ago, which was pre-planned, but I've been so lucky that I missed pretty much all of Melbourne's lockdowns except for the very first one. And here we're regional, so we're kind of like in the middle of nowhere. Even though we get so many tourists, somehow we've avoided all the lockdowns, all the cases. But yeah, the country manages to keep most of the time, the whole country is at zero cases. And I feel like this sounds wild to people who aren't from Australia because we'll have like three cases and then the whole state will go into lockdown and that's how they're managing it. So like there'll be three cases, whole state will go into lockdown for five days. You'll get it back to zero and then you get to go out again. And the, re the way that they're doing that is if you do get to come in, did I lose you guys? No, you're still here. Yep. You're there. Oh, wait, did she, maybe she lost us. Oh, now we lost you. 
Oh yeah. Oh, now she's frozen. Wow. But in a really nice, hold on. I need to take a photo. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, she looks like a mermaid. (laughs) We did lose her. (laughs) Oh, we lost her. Wait, Jess, let me see your, um, I just want to see your hair height for a second. I've been curious as to like what the short, oh yeah, you're hilarious. You're just like me. So I, I also, oh wait, my camera's up there. This is short for me. But I had I had Mia cut it or Eva cut it and I was like, oh, it's so short now. She's yeah, like, that's very long. Up. But you have <laughs> such long hair. Yeah. I'm actually thinking about cutting mine shorter. I think <gasps> I'm gonna do a bob next. Oh my god, that's exciting. What? I don't know this. I don't know about the bob. Yeah, just like it's just relaxed, you know. Like I don't need to advertise. I'll just do it when I want to <laughs> do it, and then advertise. I'm your sister. Uh, we speak all day, every day. <laughs> I tell my sister everything I, I eat. Do you guys not do I, that? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know about basically. Eat, yeah, you, usually, it's a play-by-play. I have like a thirty-minute conversation with Toba before I eat anything. I'm like, "But do I really want that? Are you sure I'm in the mood for that?" And then I think to myself, "Like, hmm." And then, I, and then I end up just asking her to make me something. <laughs> oh my god, I love you guys. You're the best. Wait, are you still living in your family home together? Yeah, I'm in the living room right now, technically, but I took oh, over. Are. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I love it. I mean, it's LA is so expensive. There's no point of moving out. Like, it's just and Ava's there too. Eva is actually a lifeguard at summer camp right now, and she's going to be going to NYU next year. Ah, oh my crazy. God. That's I so know. exciting. Guys, she's grown up. She has a boyfriend and everything. They're like so cute. She's so she's, cute. Yeah, she's so cute. So she's doing it's that. Epic. Mm, and then Mia has a baby and lives in the spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen. I think I follow. Uh, I think Mia and I are friends on Facebook. So oh. I've seen her baby. Her baby is so cute. I don't usually like babies, but that's a cute baby. Like that. So is that where your mom lives? Mm-hmm. In spot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay good. Just to just to clarify all of the where you going? Um, mm. Yeah, all the things I've assumed from Instagram. Yeah, that's oh great. My God, yeah. The other day we went we went to our grandfather's place, and he had your dad's book just sitting there on the coffee table. Oh, oh yeah, that's so How cute. cute. Is that? Uh, we were like, oh, do you know? Do you know that we know him? He's like, oh, really? Just oh reading God. his book. That's adorable. Wait, that's so, it's funny because it's the craziest thing. So do you guys know how I know you guys? Did I ever tell you originally? Because I knew about you before I knew that Albert was your dad, which is hilarious. So I heard of you guys from Jij when I was in Berlin. He was like, these, you have to see these sisters. They're great. And me and Toa were going to like start a page called Sweesters, but we just got fucking lazy and never did anything Sweeters. with it. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. Sweesters needs to happen. At some point when I just have, when I have people who can do it for me. Yeah. Like that's. <laughs> but I just I'm so not I can't I can't dedicate more time to content but I um but so we I heard about you guys from that and then meanwhile I knew about Albert who's my dad's like best friend and then um uh and then and then he's like over what he was over for like he can't first of all your dad is always here which is hilarious because he lives in Australia and it's not an easy flight this is like a, a, a super far he was over and he's talking about his daughters and then my dad was talking about them. And then you guys had come over when I wasn't there. That's what happened. Yes. Yes. And then, we came for Shabbat. Yeah. And Eva messaged me. She's like, do you know how to live? And then they connected all the dots. I'm like, what? That's Albert's kids. I was so confused. I thought Albert lived in France or something. I didn't know he lived in Australia. Like he just <laughs> did not seem like an Australian at all. The whole thing was just hilarious to me. And then I just Wait. connected all of the dots later. It was great. Wait. Wait, so because so Steph and I came to LA for like three months in, or maybe a bit longer in twenty fifteen, and 
15. Yeah, 2015. Mm. And we came to your house a few times for Shabbat, but I feel like that's when you were living somewhere else, right? That's when I lived in Israel. And it's so you guys were there the summer of 2015, and I was with Jij in Berlin January 2015. Oh, okay. So it was a pretty cool, like it was, it was really fast that it happened. And then I was just like, oh my God, that's crazy. I just heard about them. (laughs) Wait, so, and then we didn't meet you until years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we didn't meet oh you until God. Like 19. Mm. Wait, possible? so did we what? only meet you that one time when we came over for like Rosh Hashanah or something? I know, yeah, which is hilarious. I, I, I talk to you guys all the time on Instagram. I talk to Jess yeah, all the time, which is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. It is, sometimes, it is sometimes me, just to clarify. We've spoken oh, okay, to. Sometimes, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. 10% just staff. Just not lately. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, cool. So you guys were in LA when? 2019? Is that when you guys were here? So right I before. think we must have been there September 2019. The year before the yeah. pandemic, basically. Because you, yeah, usually we travel a lot, and mm. especially when we were doing a lot of fashion and blogging stuff, we would go to fashion weeks every year, like New York. We would always kind of try and make it to LA. It's been weird not going overseas for such a long time. Can you guys travel overseas now from the US? Yeah, we can. I mean, we've always kind of been able to. It's more just like where you're going, what their rules are. And if you can, and some airlines have different requirements and it's all different countries. Like each country has their own rules. So you might have to take a test before you get there, you know, once you land, but people have been flying to Mexico nonstop this from LA, this whole, yeah. Oh, it's been so popular. Just uh, cruising. I have not done it yet. I really wish I, I would have, but I mean, everyone's been going to Mexico. I went to Israel also, but that was really hard to do. And oh I yeah, was, that was fun. You went for your friend's wedding. Cute. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was there for three lockdowns, which was so ridiculous. Like I could, I landed, lockdown, landed, <laughs> lockdown. Like there was just so many lockdowns throughout the whole time. But it was still so much fun. I love Israel. It's, it's, do you know that when people land from Australia from anywhere, they have to do they get forced into this hotel for quarantine for two yeah. weeks? Do and they now have you, that in other places. No, but uh, in in Israel, they had it for a little bit. And I think in like places like Singapore and whatever, a lot of those places implemented that, but they don't have that in LA. But you guys, it used to be covered by the government, right? And now you have to pay for it yourselves. Yeah, it's $3,000. Oh! Yeah, so, yeah. In in addition to flights, which apparently at the moment, flights are just actually like, you're going to mortgage your house for them. Oh my god that like yeah. that actually I, f- I feel like I just got shot when I heard that like that's so that's intense yeah Three it's crazy legs. so like no one can do it like because most people can't afford to do that like on top of everything else as well it's crazy yeah you're flying out so I know I mean all the athletes have done it but they obviously get it paid for by the organizations and stuff but they even were yeah. saying that it's so insane it's so, so it's like 3k for the hotel I'm assuming flights are anywhere from like 5 to 7 give or take I mean you're spending like $10,000 just to travel like just to commute if you will to wherever you're trying to go Yeah not- and like you can't as well so like on top of that you're just not really allowed to like I know somebody who's trying to go see their partner in Italy at the moment and like said that they wanted to go live in Italy for a while and like they've been declined. That's so nuts. Has your dad left at all or is he, has he also been? No, he hasn't no. even. No, he, he tried and he got declined as well. Unless you have a really good reason to leave, you can't just be like, hey, I'm going to go on a holiday to the US for three months. They'll be like, no, thank you. Because they don't want to deal with having to get you back into the country. God, that's Yeah, because then you're essentially like an Australian stranded. That's their responsibility, but not really. It's really not. nuts. 
it's yeah, so it's crazy. Intense. Like, I don't know when we'll next be able to go overseas, but I think our vaccination rate is something like 4%. So <laughs> I feel like it doesn't look like we'll be able to travel overseas in the next like two years. That's that's honestly insane. That's really freaking insane to me. I mean, you yeah. guys like I know you guys travel a lot. Your dad's always traveling. This is such a different yeah. adjustment. We had, you know, we had oh your uncle God. over for um was it like one of the holiday meals? I can't remember which one. Oh, yeah, and he brought his dog. So cute. Uh-huh. The little fluffy white one. He was just like Yeah, yeah what's his name? Oh my god, he was so I don't cute. Know. Honestly, he was so adorable. He just, he was just so fluffy and like just flopping around all over the place. Such a personality. He was cute. I love how much your family loves dogs. Oh, I love well, except my dad. He really doesn't like dogs. You either have the gene or you don't. Like mm. our dad loves all animals and our mom loves all animals. So for us, it was inevitable. But it's so weird the way some people just don't get animals. I don't get those Yeah, people. like I like animals a lot more than I like people. Like oh, a same. People are subpar. Yeah. Animals are animals are. Tough. Animals are just like pure goodness. They just don't have any of like the tainting that human beings have. Mm. You know, well, it's my innocent. turtle. I've come, so I've come to the conclusion. So Steph, you haven't seen my stories, but there's this whole saga right now with my turtle who's been like coming inside. He's an outdoor turtle. He keeps coming inside. He's like doing all these crazy things lately. And I just went outside today. So many patches of dirt have been dug up. He dug up all these little things. So it's a girl. We've come to the realization. It's a she and she's looking for a place to lay her eggs. It's the cutest Aww. thing. Right? How pure is that? Is she, like, isn't that so is, she a, is she your pet or is she a wild turtle? No, she's our pet. Technically, it's complicated. What happened was our housekeeper brought over a couple turtles one day. She brought us three turtles. One big one, two small ones. The two small ones were never to be seen again after like the first week. It was really sad. But, oh my God. But the big one who has managed to stay for like seven or eight years now, Freddie, uh, he hibernates or I guess it's she. She hibernates all winter long for like five or six months. It's crazy. She'll just dig up a little hole in our backyard, hibernate there. And then when it's like it starts getting sunny again, she's like popping out. She's got a pool. She goes to swim. She has the whole backyard. It's like all to herself. She has little nooks and crannies to hide on. Oh, I feed her. Oh, here's our food. Look, it's like these little, she loves these. This is premium food. This is insects. Ooh, she loves this. And then, and then she also really likes this, which is which is just little pellets. She's so hilarious. But she won't eat any, she won't eat any human food. No watermelon, no cucumbers. I keep trying. It's like, she's, she's like, no. <laughs> I love a turtle. That's probably the most like obscure pet I've mm. seen in a while. We used to have like a bunny rabbit for a little bit. And I felt like that was like a little bit obscure. Rabbits are cool. I uh, I I used to show rabbits in 4-H. You know where you like like at the fair, go and you get like a ribbon if you show them well. It's like oh, it's such a country no. Thing. We have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Literally zero. Please explain. It's hilarious. So there's fairs where you bring your animals and you show them and you win prizes and it's like this whole thing. Oh, and I yeah, got yeah, yeah. I got like a blue ribbon. I won first place. You know where you go and you get like fried Oreos. You know what I mean? Like these are like these big so country like, fairs. It was your pet rabbit. Yeah, I had two pet rabbits. The first one passed away. It was really sad. But then I had a second because rabbits, they die easy. Like they're not. They die so easy. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. They, have sh- uh, they have weak hearts. They have short lifespans. But also, I just feel like we need to clarify something. Mm. I don't know if you've been to Australia, but there is nowhere that you go in Australia that is going to serve you fried Oreos. Yeah. <laughs> heavenly American stuff right there. <laughs> I, 
Yeah, totally. Like you're lucky if you can get like a cinnamon donut. <gasps> yeah. Are you serious? There's not donuts everywhere? Oh, I'm yeah. obsessed no, with no. donuts. <laughs> yeah, we've got like we've got donuts, um, but that's like as exciting as it gets. Like it doesn't get super weird. Like we've had fried pickles in the US before. Like that shit just doesn't happen here. When you go to Disneyland and you have like, cakes like and stuff. Mickey's head on a stick and like a toffee <laughs> apple thing. Like we don't have anything like that. Whenever we come to the US, one of our favorite things is eating and eating desserts specifically, like the cupcake shops and all that stuff. Mm. We just don't have that much of it here. Yeah, we have, um, I mean, listen, I I gained 50 pounds in one year and it was purely because of America's food. Like it was really good. And I still remember the nights where I ordered so many donuts and they were honestly delicious. Like no regrets. They, uh, we have really good junk food out here, but it's so bad for you. I know what makes my stomach hurt and I still do it. What was a Friday night? I had like 30 different challahs. You don't understand. There was tomato challah. There was a jalapeno challah. There was an onion challah. There was a sweet challah. There was a challah with the za'atar. Uh, uh, there was an olive challah. I was dying. I was just... Okay. Perfect example. We only have one flavor challah here. Like we do not have flavored challah. You've talked about this to us before and we are like, where can we try these flavors? Because we've just got like sesame seed. That's like the one train. Oh, actually, we do have raisin color, which is delicious. But other than Ooh. that, nothing. So, yeah, no. But but I mean, there's a trade off, right? Because we also, as taxpayers, have to pay so much money for all this freaking health care because it's not even like it's sick care. It's not even health care. Right. We don't do any prevention. Like our country is just so unhealthy across the board. We're unhealthy for the earth and we're unhealthy for ourselves. It's really it's it's really sad. But hopefully we'll improve it one step at a time. Um but yeah, I mean, listen, Australia, you guys gave us avocado toast. So thank you. Thank you so much. We did. Oh, really, really avocado good. toast. Is Just, there anything better? I no, remember I really, there yeah. were multiple years between when Australia had discovered avocado toast and the U.S. hadn't, where we would come to America and like ask for toast with a side of avocado and people would look at us like we were fucking crazy. <laughs> And then it was a beautiful, beautiful moment the first time we came where we saw it on a menu and we were like, finally, five years later, it's That's here. Hilarious. Yeah, now it's everywhere. Now we're getting criticized because we're well, apparently we can't buy houses in L.A. because we buy avocado toast. This is a. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. They God. used to tell us that yeah, in Australia. <laughs> yeah, they told us that like five years ago. That's hilarious. Oh, I love that. Up on the avocado toast trend. Okay, yeah, wait, like Steph. Millennials value $15 avo toast over buying a house are you are you vegan yeah I'm 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 like a flexible vegan I will never eat meat because I haven't eaten meat since I was a kid I became vegetarian when I was seven and I always have hated it I don't even like beyond burgers and stuff I find it the whole thing is gross I do yeah I just don't like meat I think like it looks gross sounds gross smells gross the whole thing but I will occasionally have fish like twice a year and then sometimes I'll have dairy uh especially if I go to brunch I love french toast and I love pancakes nothing's gonna stop that I just love them I love them so much (gasps) actually I made some mean like vegan spelt and oat flour crepes yesterday oh okay send me that recipe um but anyways before we wrap up because i do have to head out soon uh i want steph i want to give you a shot uh, to finish that answer when we got cut off because i think you were talking about australia lockdowns i'd love to just hear what the end of your thoughts were on that 
I love to hear it too. What was I thinking? <laughs> okay. So, where, so let's wait. Where where you, you? you were like doing this with your hair and you were like, oh yeah, I you don't were know like if a mermaid. You can hear me or something. You actually look oh, just like this. Say, I don't know if you can hear me. Oh, I, I think I was getting to the, the point that I then later said about quarantine, like, cause we literally have zero cases. Oh yeah. Because you moved to Byron, which is actually, it's actually so funny that you live in Byron because that's one of the, it's like a top of my bucket list. I need, I'm, I oh, love hi. weed and I think that I would just fit right oh, in, you in Byron. <laughs> Yo, you'd fit right. Say no more. You are a perfect Byron Bay candidate. I'm sure the Australian government would let you in if you put that on your form and tell them you need to live in Byron. Also, on the topic of pancakes, we, and like French toast and all of that stuff, mm. Byron is amazing because it is so forward in the vegan offering that you can literally go to any restaurant, any cafe, and they have a vegan option for cheese. They have a vegan option for everything. And there are even entire vegan restaurants that you can go and get like burgers and fried chicken and all that kind of stuff. And it's all vegan. It's pretty amazing. So we, we definitely have that too. I just don't have as many vegan friends as I would like. So eating out is always, they're always like inviting me to so-and-so in here and there. Um, but for the most part, I mean, if I'm ordering food online, so especially during the lockdown, something I really emphasized was I was either going to order food from a kosher place or a vegan place because restaurants were already struggling so much that I just, all these places that feed me year round, I wanted to be able to support to some extent. Cause I, you know, if I wasn't ordering from these places or if people weren't ordering from them, they were going to shut down. And quite a few restaurants actually shut down that were phenomenal spots for vegans. I was really sad about it. Um, so I definitely made that emphasis, but there are good spots. Like there's, I mean, there's great brunches. I just need to convince my friends to go to those places. They're freaking annoying. But we do also have like, there's a lot of gluten-free stuff here. That's huge right now. So you'll have entire menus that are gluten-free or you'll have menus with the sort of indications like the, um, the little signifiers, like a G and then a mm. V or a V this um, or a VG. Uh, so they do a lot of that, but yeah, I think Australia's probably Australia's just head of the game in that department. I mean, also because you guys care about animals more than we do. But a, that's a fact. People in America don't really care. Oh, that makes me feel sad. Mm. Mm. Um, speaking of animals, you guys should check out their episode that they did with the head of PETA. That was actually a really cool listen. Oh, yeah. so good oh. with Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA. She, I think that's one of my all-time favorite episodes we've ever recorded. Mm. She's Dang. so good. She's just She's so incredible. And the way that she compares human rights with animal rights for me was just like so fucking spot on. And she cares about everything and everyone equally. Mm, mm. You could tell it comes from such a genuine place within her, like I, the way that she was speaking. And I mean, it's when you hear someone talk that's been doing something for 50 years, it's so or, you know, 30 years, whatever it is, you feel that experience. You feel all the layers of everything they've been through in order to sort of climb. You know, Peter didn't start yesterday. Right. You know, like this person's been oh, building this. Mm. And Peter gets such a bad rap, particularly in America. We've had a lot of people write to us speaking about like reading a headline. And criticize Peter, all this stuff about them and be like, no, their work's terrible because of this one thing. And it's like, when you hear Ingrid speak, this woman is a fucking expert. Like she's been out there living her whole life, dedicating her whole life to this. And the issues are so much more complicated and nuanced that if you just come in and you see, oh, Peter approves kill shelter. P Peter has kill shelters. Mm. It's like, well, when you actually look into that, all of these other shelters that aren't kill shelters 
are turning all of the animals away and just taking like only the most beautiful ones to be like, we're not a kill shelter. And it's like Peter are doing the hard work to take in every single fucking animal and get them rehomed. And in order to do that, they have to be a kill shelter. Things like that where it's like, you know, she mm. has to make these tough decisions because she actually fucking cares. She's not interested in just like being surface level activist. Yeah, she was badass. That was a great one. Um, okay, so where can people find you guys? Where can they find everything too? Because there's so many different areas or funnel them to what you want to funnel them to. Okay, so we have a podcast, How to Live the Podcast. Definitely encourage you to go hang with us over there. And at how to live on Instagram, it's how to live T-W-O, which is a little bit confusing. Mm. And then we also have our footwear brand Tubes. That's T-W-O-O-B-S. And you can find us in all the places there. Amazing. Ugh, guys, I love you. Wait, one last thing I, I, before I forget, because I did have this question. Why do you guys pronounce it Dadon? Why is it not Dadon? <laughs> Such a good question. When we're in the US, we actually say date on to people because that's how <laughs> our American cousins say it. And that's like the natural American pronunciation. Wait, but they they we, your, your American cousins say date on? Is that actually a thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how they pronounce the name. But how does your dad say it? Dadon, right? It's like it's Moroccan. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that's how he says it's it. So weird. It's so weird that you say that because the other day, I think I was in a massage and, you know, like the weirdest shit comes up in your mind during a massage. And I swear I started to think about this and then I forgot how I say it. And I was like, do I say dad on or did <laughs> I don't fucking know? I don't know why we say it like that. That was just how we've always said it in our Aussie accents. That's so funny. It's so funny to me because I was just trying to think like what would be the equivalent of me saying Suisa? I think it'd be like Swissa, which actually a lot of British people do call me that. They say Suisa. Suisa. Yeah, that's fair. But do you not feel like Suisa does feel a bit Americanized to me? Yeah, it's easier. Suisa is so much easier to say than Dadon, like to actually put on the accent. (laughs) Yeah, you do feel a a bit like an ass, right? You're like, Dadon. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have a friend that called me Stephanie Dadon. He called me Dadon. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so aggressive because it has that like Moroccan tone to it. Mm. Dadon, that mm. it just. Oh, wait, we lost your audio, but that's, yeah, no, hilarious. I, it's, it's so funny you say that. Cause I just, when I, when I pronounce like Hebrew words, if I'm talking about going to a lot and stuff like that, I'll always say a lot. And my friends in Israel used to make fun of me and I'm like, and I would say, but I'm speaking in English. So I'm going to pronounce it kind of in yes. English. <laughs> Oh my God. That's like our worst is so like, there's such a thing about Americans coming to Melbourne and they say naturally in their accents, Melbourne. Mm. And that feels fine because it's in their accent. That doesn't bother me at all. But then they come here and it's almost like people from Melbourne pay them out from the way they're saying it. So then they start saying Melbourne and it sounds fucking ridiculous in their American accent. And then when they get to the word Melbourne, they're like, Melbourne. It feels like they're putting on an Australian accent. It's like, just say it in your accent. You're good. Mel- Melbourne, Melbourne, Mel. I don't even know how I would say it now. I need to, I need to say it tomorrow. And then when I'm on a fresh mind, cause now I'm thinking Melbourne. <laughs> well, if you came to Australia though, you would have to say Melbourne. Otherwise people will pay you out. It's like in concert, they'll be like, Hey everyone, what's up Melbourne? And it's like, <laughs> no, it sounds weird, but you have to do it. That's hilarious. Well, after I went to Cape Town for two weeks, I came back. I, it was like two and a half weeks maybe. And I came back and, and everybody 
was confused with my accent. They were like, oh, all of a sudden you're British. Because <laughs> like, I was just surrounded by only Australians and only South Africans. There was not a single other American person there. That was all I was hearing. And it really, I mean, it, like if I went on uh, Love Island, I would leave with an accent. I would definitely leave with an oh accent. Oh my God. I will speak to somebody British for five minutes and then all of a sudden I'm like going up at the end of my sentences yeah. and it's like, what, what is up with my brain? Like I just, whoever I'm speaking to, I end up imitating. It's hilarious. It's the, it's the inflections. It's what they always would make fun of me for. They'd be like, what was it? Like, how are you doing? What are you doing? What are you up to? <laughs> just, you just yeah. up. That's so great. All right, guys, this has been lovely. I love you and I will continue to support tubes for as long as I live because it's, first of all, the best shoes. They're comfortable, you guys, and they are truly a brand with a mission that I am obsessed with. So thank you guys so much for coming on. You're probably going to be the first episode I release. I'm excited. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.